Broadcasting live from the WGBB World Headquarters here in New York. This is the Big Fat Joey Show with your host, Big Fat Joey. Morning, everybody. It's Big Fat Joey, Big Fat Joey Show, biggest thing on radio. Morning, Sin. Big Fat Joey, happy Father's Day. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Happy Father's Day to all my loyal listeners and their families and fathers. Yes, absolutely. My, my baby is home right now. He's probably playing Fortnite or some, who, who knows what he's playing, GTA, Fortnite. Uh, he's keeping out of trouble, that's all, and staying safe. Keeping out of trouble, staying safe in this crazy world, you know, but, you know, things got to get done around the house here. And, uh, you know, we, we got a show that's very apropos. You know, I've had a couple of uh, mishaps at the house. First and foremost, we're, we're thankful that we're out today because uh, we are our central AC blue. Yes, it's always something. You know, we sweat to the oldies and then the kitchen sink. It's, and the uh, ice cube machine. Well, the ice cube machine I was able to fix just had a, a jammed ice cube in the machine, so... I was able to get that loose and make it work. But, you know, faucets leaking, central AC blue, which is costing me a whole HVAC system. Well, a house, there's always something to do. Always something to do. And it seems like it's never getting done. You turn around, one thing leads to another. But I am impressed about your crown molding. Hey, you know, hey, crown molding, a couple of, uh, you know, measure four, five, seven hundred times, cut maybe two or three hundred times. And my only other advice, if you're doing molding or any sort of uh, joinery work like that, buy yourself a case of cork. Because cork definitely clears you of all your sins in woodworking. That's true. You do use it for everything. Today, I have from one of the most venerable TV shows, I believe the originator of reality television, I have Kevin O'Connor from This Old House. He is like the perfect person because he could come in and fix everything. He can come in and fix everything. And what he can't do, he can get Tom Silva. He can get uh, the rest of the crew in to, to fix everything I have. You know, Rich Tathrui for the plumbing. You know, Tom does the, the uh, construction work. Um, you know, he's got somebody for everything. And, and, and I got a couple of little tidbits out of him. Couple of little different uh, how tos and you know and and how not tos. And that show's been on the air forever, right? The show premiered February twentieth, nineteen seventy nine, and Kevin's the third host. We had the original Bob Vila, which everyone. I remember my dad watching that. Yeah, everyone knows Bob Vila, yes. and then uh, Steve Thomas, who by the way has also been on the Big Fat Joey show. So if you scroll through. My uh, podcast record, you'll find uh, Steve Thomas's interview with us as well. I'd uh, love to get Bob Veeler on as well and, you know, working on that. But And coming to the house, too. I would love for him to come to the house. Well, yeah, these I guys. I definitely have a list. And you know what? I've been watching that show my entire life. You know, I, I, I was born in the early 70s, so I've been watching it since day one. And I have definitely have learned a lot. I might not necessarily know how to do it. I might not necessarily have the tools to do it. But I know how to do it. And more importantly, when I do hire contractors, I know what I need to hear from the contractor to feel that I believe that they're giving me a good job and a good price. Because from watching this old house, like I said, you know, I can't do a roof, but I know what to look for in, in a roofing estimate on uh, you know, the underlayment, the new roof, the three-tab shingle, uh, where, where the underlayment's placed, you know, the... Um, ice barrier so once again i i can't do the roof 
But when I and I had my roof done years ago, when I called in contractors, there were one or two or three of them who were going to skip the ice barrier. They were just going to use regular felt. And I, you know, from watching this old house all these years, I knew that you needed the rubber ice barrier on all the edges, uh, even up the uh, uh, up the sides of the uh, of the roof as it goes to the peak. So it definitely is a, a great show. Yeah, very for, impressive. That's all I could say. Yeah, definitely know? very impressive. And and uh, you know, Kevin was kind enough to take time out of his day to uh, to speak with us and uh, you know give us some tidbits about exactly what's going on. So without any further ado, up next is my interview with Kevin O'Connor, host of This Old House. Kevin, how are you? Welcome to Big Fat Joey Show. I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for being on. Big, big, big fan of Ask This Old House. Big fan of, I've been watching it since the late 70s, and it's definitely helped me as a homeowner uh, really navigate the, the the pitfalls of homeownership and and basic maintenance and construction. I really appreciate you being on it. It's, it's a it's a great honor and pleasure. Well, I'm happy to be here, and I thank you for saying that. That's, that's kind of the point of the show, right, to help folks navigate. A little bit of entertainment, but a ton of information. So I'm glad to hear that we're still hitting the mark. You guys definitely are, and and I, I'm speaking of the I love the segment of when you guys do what is it? Oh, for heaven's sakes, that thing, yeah. <laughs> where uh, where four guys try to be funny who aren't funny. And I have to say, I think in all the years I've watched it, only once did I actually know what it was. <laughs> it was. Yeah, we, uh, we're not doing it as much as we used to. Right. But we've got a uh, we've got a producer who used to scour the aisles of Home Depot and the pages of the catalog in the backseat of airlines. Uh, Sky Mall and all that stuff for obscure things, and and as we uh, as we ran through the obvious content, we started getting into wacky things, which were you know cat toys and stuff like that. So don't be ashamed if you don't know most of this stuff because they are definitely obscure by design. Yeah, the, the one item I did know was um, almost looked like a cat toy, but it was to get, keep the mosquitoes away from your food during a, a picnic time. It was a little mounted rod that had a little feather on, and it just spun in a circle. Uh, to keep the uh, the mosquitoes. That's the only thing I knew because I just happened to happen to have seen it a while back. But otherwise, uh, that's you know I, I don't know too many of the other items on there. But it's a, it's a it's a great segment and it's just a great show overall. I'm really I tell you I'm really thrilled to have you on and uh, it's, I've watched the show religiously. If I don't, it's on a DVR and you know my my wife's like how many times are you gonna watch someone replace a faucet? I don't know until I figure it out. That's that's how many times I'm gonna watch someone replace the faucet. <laughs> but she be- but she benefits. I said, the more I save, the more you shop. So if I have to start calling people, you can't shop. Oh, okay. Watch it. Go ahead. Turn it on. I benefit. Yeah. So being the host of this old house, you're on there some 15 odd years. What did you do before this? Uh, believe it or not, I had a career in finance. Um, just immediately prior to joining the show, I was in corporate banking. Um, and uh, I was using my finance degree, uh, making loans. The the industry that I was lending to, believe it or not, was the professional sports industry. So I was part of a group that made loans to uh, the NFL League and Major League Baseball and individual teams and stadium construction and all that. So it was a it was far afield from what I'm doing right now. It's definitely uh, a complete opposite. So then, yeah. 
how did you become the host of this old house? Well, so my story is that I stumbled onto it. My wife and I, uh, now 15 years ago, my wife and I bought our first house. Um, and I grew up watching the show. Yeah, you know, my, my dad was in the business um, on the commercial side, so I used to, you know, kick around on job sites, never doing much more than just sweeping up behind the guys, but had the sort of, you know, the passion to do stuff with my hands. So I loved the show growing up. And when it came time to buy a house, uh, my wife and I, she has a similar sensibility as me, uh, we just wanted to buy a fixer-upper, right? A lot of people say, yep, nope, I'm only going to buy a new house. Or a lot of people say, yep, I want to buy a fixer-upper. We were in the fixer-upper bucket. And we uh, bought a two-family. It was a complete dump. <laughs> you know, <nothing laughs> didn't really work. We did have a kitchen. You know, two of the three bathrooms were decommissioned. Uh, but it was just what we were looking for. And we started just spending nights and weekends going home from the bank, uh, working on the house. And having been a huge fan of the show, as soon as we kind of got into these weird places where we were trying to replicate historical details, the house was built in 1893. It was a Queen Anne style Victorian. Um, and we were trying to replace some historical details and we couldn't figure it out. So we wrote the magazine. I was like, geez, you know, does anyone to contact us, contact this old house? We had no idea at the time they were producing the first season of Ask This Old House. It wasn't on the air yet. It wasn't public. Steve Thomas was the host, mm-hmm. and they were creating that show, which, as you know, is a show where the guys answer letters from viewers right. and rush out to the house and help them with small projects. So our letter to the magazine ended up in a television producer's hands uh, who called up and said, can we send Tom Silva to your house to film a little segment for a project we're working on? And we were like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> we didn't know the show existed at the time. But if you're going to send Tom Silva to my house, the answer is yes, and you can come whenever you want. So that's what they did. They came out, and Tommy uh, and our painting expert at the time, Jim Clark, came there. And we spent a day filming a couple segments for what would become Ask the Silva House its first season. And from that, they, out of the blue, called me back a month later, and they're like, so – uh, there's an opening, uh, the host of this old house, the master's old house, and would you like to do it? <laughs> and it was literally out of the blue. I was just like, you got to be kidding me. Um, so I thought about it for about a second, and then I said, yeah, sure, why not? Love that show. It, it, it beats doing the corporate grind. Yeah, you know, I actually, it, it does. There's no doubt about it because it's, it's, it's sort of a dream job. Um, I, I wasn't looking to get out of the corporate grind. I was, I kind of liked my job, and, you know, I spent a lot of time going to school for finance and practicing it or whatever. Uh, so I wasn't running from it. Um, but, you know, when life presents you with a wacky opportunity like that, uh, you, you jump on it. And I did. And it was a good decision. 15 yeah. years later, no regrets. And, you know, I've been watching the show since day one, since the Bob Vila days, and, you know, through all the, you know, incarnations of it. And you can just tell with yourself – uh, Tom, Roger, Norm, there was just a good chemistry. You can, it's, you can tell it's not a forced chemistry. Everyone truly likes one another and, and, and really have fun doing what you do every day. Yeah, I think it's definitely true. Those guys are a little brotherhood. I'm very lucky to, that they have sort of embraced me and invited me in. Um, I like to think that, you know, I'm sort of part of the brotherhood now. Uh, it was probably a big part of why I got that call back. When, when Tommy came to the house, for whatever reason, 
he decided to, you know, immediately start picking on me, um, you know, the, the grandmaster picking on the young kid and screwed my toolbox to my kitchen floor, glued paintbrush <laughs> my cabinets. I have no idea why. And I, you know, remember scratching my head being like, this is what they consider help. But of course, you know, I took it a good stride and I was, you know, pushing back a little bit him. And it's kind of that sort of, you know, you just know, right? You just know when you meet people that you like them or don't like them. And having been on job sites, I kind of knew what the vibe was around contractors and job sites. So it, it worked. The chemistry worked. Um, my guess is it's a large part of why they asked me. They certainly didn't ask me to join the show because of my carpentry skills or my knowledge of renovation. Um, that's not the host's job. Right. My job is to kind of be a proxy for the viewer and be the guy who's going to ask Tom Silver the questions you guys sitting on the couches watching it um, don't have that opportunity to talk to them directly. That's kind of my job. So a, a lot of, I think, why I got that call back was the chemistry. And it's a it's a good group. You know, it's a, it's a very fun group, and none of us take it too seriously. Um, none of them have to do it. I think they love doing it because they love to be teachers. Right. I think they are really passionate about the craft, but I also think, you know, they really enjoy it. I think they really like making the show and, and like hanging out with each other. And, and, and it comes through through the screen, and they are, after obviously all these years, very good at making it simple for the average viewer to, you know, you might not know exactly the entire process, but you get a good gist, uh, as we mentioned, as I've off air, I was talking with you on, you know, what is involved in putting on a new roof to a home. You know, you might not know everything, but at least when you're speaking to someone coming to your home, uh, you have a, a good understanding of what you should be hearing out of their mouth and what they should possibly offering you for your particular roof type yes right exactly you you need to know on some level you need to know what you don't know and you need to know what questions to ask you don't need to know how to do it you don't need to know all the details but you need to know enough to know when you're getting snowed and you need to know enough when you need to push somebody in a direction and say nope nope i really really want that so you know charge me what you got to charge me but get me that um or to know that no no you're wasting time and money over there i don't need you to do that i need you to do this over here that's sort of how we empower a lot of people there's not a i don't think there's a gigantic percentage of people who are watching what these guys do and immediately turning around and going out and doing it themselves there are plenty who do right millions who watch the show so but there's a lot of it is just empowerment and information Helping people navigate what is otherwise a pretty complicated process, which is, you know, running a household. Yes, no, definitely, definitely is. And having projects done around my house and I do the simple stuff and I, the big stuff I, I, I leave out for the pros because they know exactly what, what needs to be done. So with all of this, what do you consider? What is the best part of your job? What would you consider the best part? Well, my favorite part is being on the job site when we get to make sawdust, when I get to make sawdust. Um, I don't get to do it a ton. Uh, the work is going on all of the time, and I'm not on the job site every day because we're running around doing other things. You know, for example, right now we're working on a project in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. We just started another one in Massachusetts. We just finished one in South Carolina. So, you know, I'm the guy who runs around, you know, back and forth to each of those projects, Um jumps in and out of factory tours, talks to architects and designers, you know, as part of the show. Uh, and while I'm doing all those other things, there are people on the job site, Charlie Silva, Tom Silva, you know, running this job site day in and day out, getting it done. So for me, the, the favorite part is when I get to go there and we have to do something where I've got to put a tool belt on 
and help and work next to Roger um, or, or Richard or Tommy. I really, really enjoy those days. But because I don't get to do that a ton, um, the stuff that gets me jazzed when I'm not on the job site is sort of the access. The access we get to amazing places, whether it's, you know, a historic house that's been beautifully restored, we get the master class and tour from the architect who did it, um, or the factory where we get to watch and make some of this cool stuff. You know, those things are, that's, you know, that's a pretty good way to spend a day. And I kind of geek out on it. Like I can remember being at a company in Pennsylvania called Superior Walls, where they make precast concrete foundation walls, you know, and it's a little bit of a science to it. You know, you end up with a, a super strong wall um, that's waterproof, that's pre-insulated that flies off of a truck, you know, via crane onto the job site. And in a day, you've got a new foundation, like the factory day, watching them do that, um, watching the craftspeople make it, talking to the engineers who designed it. That stuff is awesome. Like, I really, I really enjoy those types of things. So if I can't make sawdust with the boys, um, those sorts of things get me going. Well, that definitely sounds uh, exciting because I know as a kid, I always enjoyed watching, uh, like growing up, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood when the factory was. Even today, uh, there's plenty of those shows on TV that show you know how things are made or how they're built. And I just enjoy why. I don't know how to do it. Couldn't even fathom to try to do it. But I enjoy watching the whole process yeah. of it having been done. Now, when you're doing a home project, what's your favorite and least favorite thing to do at a home? Let's say just your own home. If you had to go do a project, what would be something that you, you enjoy doing and versus something like, no, nah, I just can't, just can't do this anymore. Uh, I like the carpentry, you know, so if it's trimming out a room, you know, when you get to the point where you've, you know, moved the wall around or the, uh, the sheet rocks up, I, I like the part where you put the baseboard in and, uh, you put the wainscot panels up, you know, that sort of using a chop saw and the millwork, that to me is very satisfying because it's the closest thing to sort of building a piece of furniture, which I don't do much of, you know, but periodically, you know, do small projects. But, you know, around the house, I like I like that kind of trim work stuff. Um, that gives me the most satisfaction because it's sort of just the right level of creativity where I've got to figure things out. Um, and you really got to kind of take your time and make it look awesome. You know, a really good miter is a lot better than just an okay miter. Um, you got to kind of figure out profiles and dimensions. So there's a little bit of craft and artistry there. Just, just enough, you know, that a, that a weekend warrior like I could pull off. Um, and there's just a ton of satisfaction, right? I mean, if you take a room that's been you know, sort of renovated and, um, you know, walls came down and went back up and, and now the, drywall that plasters up when you get to that phase of putting up the, the millwork that's when you really start to pull together and make the room look awesome so that's kind of my favorite part of the projects around the house um and the least favorite is the painting you know when it when it comes to okay now all the millwork's up and someone else hung the drywall and it's time to really put the final coat on right like all right i'm bored you know who's going to paint this thing i have no interest in dragging a paintbrush on tight lines near the crown molding or running a roller up and down. Um, I do it, you know, because that's what we do around here, but I make sure that my wife does all the detail work. <laughs> she cuts in and I roll. But to me, that's just 
that's just boring. I don't have any any interest in doing any of that stuff. See, now I enjoy doing the paint. I don't enjoy doing the prep work because without good prep work, it's a bad paint job. But me and my wife have a good combo. She takes the lower half, the moldings on the floor and what have you, and I do the cutting. And so I'm six seven, so when I'm standing, yeah. I don't need a ladder. I don't need very much of anything to get to the you know to the ceiling or anything else. So I'm good in that aspect, and I go pretty quick because I'm not balancing on a ladder. I just walk around the room with my left arm in the air and I just cut in and and I keep it moving. And she's on the floor doing the bottom molding, and then you know we do the yeah. wall together. Perfect. So it makes. Yeah, that's good. It makes you're makes welcome to you welcome to swing by my place anytime, Joe, and uh, you get your paint kicks out. <laughs> I'd love to roll by, but make sure you got to feed me now. They call me Big Fat Joey for a reason, so. <laughs> well, I got we got plenty of places up here that make uh, good old fashioned New York and Jersey subs and stuff like that. So I'll find some good ones. <laughs> now. When people going out, and we, we spoke about it before, what what do you really need to look for in a contractor to lessen your chances of of, of getting one that's not up to par or it's not going to do the right thing to you? Uh, you know, it's still a word of mouth business. I, I you know, it's a it's a small local business, despite all of the stuff out there. And there are good things out there. You know, there are services out there that'll let you. Um, find contractors, you know, like Home Advisor, former Angie's List. Those things really help you aggregate lots of information. But even with that, it is word of mouth. Um, and I'm amazed at how many times somebody will hire a contractor, uh, invite them into their house, pay them half before they do any work, um, and never make a phone call to their list of references and say, hey, you know, how is the guy in the um, that to me is still super important. You know, that's where you find them, I think, you know, by asking around. And I think that's where you check them. Say, how did this person perform in your house? So that's my number one piece of advice to people, which is get on the phone, ask friends and family, talk to someone who's worked with a contractor, talk to two or three people, and just get a feel for them. You're still going to you know, have to make your own judgment when you meet them and talk to them and you know, look at their quote. Yeah. Checking check the references and working out, still the way to go. So, Kevin, so where do you get your ideas from? What, what, what do you get your inspirations uh, from? Uh, well, my, my wife's got a list. Um, that the the honey-do honey list? Yeah, the honey-do list, absolutely. Uh, the house that I live in makes its own list because, you know, something falls apart or no longer works. That helps. Um, I got kids, so they're constantly adding stuff to the list. I'm, I'm, I guess that's a long way of saying I'm in maintenance mode. Um, the days of spending a lot of free time building projects out in the garage or, in my case, on the roof deck when I lived in downtown Boston, uh, there's not as much time to do that anymore, and it's keeping up with what I've got. But I do, you know, I see stuff, right? The, the world of social media, uh, we're awash in this kind of content, so you see cool ideas. But these days, I am if I'm doing something by choice, right, if I'm not fixing something, uh, the broken pole that holds up the hammock or what have you. That's classic. Uh, right? I, I am generally trying to build something that the family uses. So a good example is last summer the project was a big, huge dining table for the patio. 
you know, something that we could all sit at as a family, but when we have, you know, a bunch of people over, you can get 10, 12 people around there. And something that was so big, I didn't have to move it so it could stay outside forever. That was a great project. And uh, the current one that's half built in the garage and causing the cars to be out in the driveway is a uh, is a ping pong table top for a pool table that we just recently bought. So, you know, kind of a conversion, not a, not a, ping pong table it's on a frame and wheels but okay four piece walnut kind of plywood um maple nosed system that's going to allow us to lay it on top of the pool table and turn it into a ping pong table so i'm focused on trying to build stuff that is going to make the family life better us spend more time with each other get the kids outside doing stuff together. That's kind of the key. Because I got young kids, um, but they don't stay young forever. And no. the window that they're going to be home and around is short. So I don't want to be making stuff, you know, piece of furniture for the bedroom, whatever. I want to do stuff that uh, we're going to use as a family. So that's primarily where my list comes from these days. And with that list, and now obviously I know being on the show, you have un- unfettered access to tools and what have you and what have you. But what should every homeowner have what what is like a toolkit for every homeowner the average the average joe like me what should you have in your house so you can get through your basic little uh situations that happen you know it's funny joe i get that question a ton and i think you and everyone else knows the answer to it if you really want that basic kit like me telling you to get a tape measure and a hammer and a screw gun to get a you know a couple hand tools I'm not sure that's all that helpful because everyone makes those kits. Anybody who's got a pulse knows what those tools are. So right. I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it differently, and I'm gonna give you the list of a thing or two that most people would never consider getting uh, because they're like I don't know what that is. I don't know how to use it. And anyway, so um, the 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 first two things that I would add to that are Right, you got your hammer, you got your measure, you got a, you know, a sharp utility knife, that kind of stuff. You got your speed square. Um, get yourself a chop saw, and there's a million of them out there. You can get them in all different sizes, but get the chop saw that's going to let you quickly cut what you need to cut, but also make really precise angled cuts, leather cuts. Okay, I got one of those. Um, I think. Pe- What's that? I got one of those. Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like a lot of people think like that's too big. I'm like, no, it's not. Get, get yourself one of those things. Don't don't jerk around with the skill saw, circular saw to make some of these things. Like get one of those, make some real precise cuts. It's gonna up your game. And then the next thing, which is a stretch up from there, but get a track saw. Um, it used to be that there was only one of them on the market that was super expensive. It's uh, still the best, hands down. And people in the profession that I'm in love it. It's by Festool. But now there are a bunch of other companies that make them, all the ones that you've heard of, the DeWalt and the Makitas. But the idea with the track saw is if you're going to be working with sheet goods, you know, plywood to build something, and a lot of times that's what we're working with. Right. Um, or even if you're going to be working with one-by stock and you need to rip it, a table saw is a step up for a lot of people. It's also not always the easiest to use, and because of the fact that you need an in-feed and an out-feed, um, ripping a piece of plywood can be super difficult on those things. The track saw has changed that game. When I got my first track saw and I was building up on roof decks, you know, furniture projects, um, living in the north end of Boston, that thing changed my life. 
the ability to kind of lay a sheet of plywood flat on some sawhorses and rip it to length, little pieces, wide pieces, whatever I wanted, to rip it accurately, super accurately with a track saw, that was a total game changer. And now for a few hundred bucks, you can get yourself a good track saw. You can make your own with a circular saw, but I say bump it up and get an actual plunge track saw. Game changer in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And I might have to look into that because I actually have a table saw and I have the uh, circular saw. Neither one of them are my favorite tools because one, and obviously I don't use them anywhere near as much as you guys use them. But once in a bloom, when I, I just built steps uh, off my deck. I built a deck a year before that, and then I just built, finished doing the steps. And I had to use it, the, both the table saw and, and the circular saw. I, oof, you, you take your eye off the ball for a split second, they're going to be calling you left, you're righty, whichever hand you, you, you aren't holding the saw with, because I just, I'm not a fan of it, especially with the, with the circular saw. If you're not con- continuous pressure and you keep moving at a steady pace, it's going to bind, it kicks back, and then the table saw, if you don't have a little pressure on the board as you're pushing it, you know, forward and down, it kicks back, and, uh, when I use them, when I'm done with them, I'm like, oh, thank God I made it. All right. I could unplug them and put these away. And, and the thing I learned from Norm a hundred years ago when watching the show is I, one of the first things I did with my jigsaw, which I have, I made a little, a little pusher, you know, a little bird's mouth. So I don't have to, my hand doesn't get close to the blade in case you slip. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, I don't, and I can see where the tracks are. I see you guys use it. It seems safer and a lot uh, more. F- I don't want to use the word forgiving, but uh, I just the other two between the sound of them and just you just know if I slip, if I fall, if something kicks back, there's going to be real problems. Yeah. <laughs> People, I mean, it's a great point because if you're pushing a sheet of plywood through a uh, table saw, and my guess is is you've got a contractor grade table saw, right? You're not on uh, a base cabinet like in a mill shop, right? I got a contractor grade table saw. Yeah, yeah. Good stand or whatever, but it's not a big, beefy, permanent saw. If you're pushing a sheet of plywood through that, you got 40 pounds coming out the other side, Mm -hmm. 30 pounds coming out the other side, and you're you're trying to control that weight as that thing hangs off the back. You're not building the right outfeed table for it. You don't have that set up, so you're kind of, like everyone else, you're running and gunning, and you're dead on, man. That's dangerous. That's a piece of plywood. All of a sudden, you're focused on managing the awkward weight coming out the backside, and you're not paying attention to that blade. Tracksaw takes all that out of the equation. You know, instead of moving the heavy lumber through the blade, move the blade through the lumber. Let the lumber be secure where it's supposed to be, not lifted, not pushed, not falling off the back, um, you know, and move the blade through the lumber. Well, you know what? I think uh, you just gave my – my wife a good idea for a uh, Fall's Day gift coming up. So Fall's Day in a couple yeah. more weeks. Yeah, and there's a lot of – you're lucky now because there's a lot of them out there. You know, there's, a, there's alternatives. There, there weren't for many years. I, I still, you know, if you can if you can spring for it, I totally recommend the, the granddaddy, the leader, the, the top of the line, which is made by Fast. But there's alternatives out there for people to get into that into that tool. Well, I'm definitely going to have to uh, upgrade that because, like I said, 
it's very scary. And, and a lot of times I'll wait for my wife to be home. Like I said, my son, yeah, he's 11 now, but I wait for her because the, the heavy end coming off, I said, just stand over there. And as it's starting to come off, just, you just have to support it. You don't have to pull it. Don't have to just support it so it doesn't. And we both like, are right, we done? Yes. Okay. Unplug it. <laughs> just unplug it so it doesn't go on and, uh, you know, get any of us, but that's, that's a good idea. I'm going to have to let her know that that'll be my new, uh, my new Father's Day gift, a, a track saw. Good. So now we've talked about the inside of the house. What would be some outdoor tips you can give us? I guess curb appeal, for lack of a better word. What, what's, what's some of the simple things people can do to make their house like look like a million bucks for a hundred? Uh, this is the easiest thing, right? Because it's generally landscaping, and uh, you need to know a little bit about picking the right plant for the right spot. But the whole process of getting them in and everything, anyone can do it. If you're willing to get your hands dirty, get down on your knees, and use a shovel, you're off to the races. Um, so curb appeal is huge. People who spend time in their yards, making them look uh, sharp, you know, making them look green, giving them a lot of color, that's a that's a showstopper right there. And it'll hide a lot of blemishes. You can have a house that's probably five years past a due date for a paint job, but if that lawn's looking tight right. and things are in bloom, people are going to be like, ooh, that thing looks beautiful. So definitely for curb appeal, it comes down to landscaping. In my opinion, and not everyone agrees with this, but I think most people do in my opinion, and, you know, the key to landscaping is blooms at the right time, right? You don't okay. want the house to, you know, have all the blossoms come out. Uh, you know, between April 1st and April 15th and never come out again. So, you know, thinking about the long term when you're putting stuff in, moving stuff around, think about what's going to blossom in April, what's going to blossom in late spring, what's going to blossom in uh, the summer, you know, what's going to, you know, be popping with color um, in the fall. That's like the best thing you can do because all you need is like one or two things to catch your eye. Right. You're like, wow, that house is on fire. So that's the first thing. Think about staggered, blooming plants. Second one, is tight lines. I think it really shows attention to detail, really gets people excited when the edges are nice and crisp. So if you've got an edge of a bed, you know, make sure it's nice and crisp, you know, let you get the weed whacker out there or spade to trim it up, the walkways, you know, trim them up, curbs, stuff like that. Crisp lines generally convey the idea that this is well-maintained, that this is manicured. Those two things are going to make your yard look pretty good. Okay, yeah, and as you're saying it, I'm thinking of the homes by my, my home. Um, I do some of my landscaping. I do have a landscaper who comes and mows. Actually, it's 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 my uh, it's my buddy Bill. He mows my lawn for me. He's been landscaping since he's like 10 years old. Uh, but the plantings and this and that, it definitely makes the house look so much better. And then after he comes, he mows, and and then um, he uses the weed whacker, I guess, on a weekly basis. But I guess maybe once a month, he uses the actual edger with that blade on the machine that cuts between. Oh. The, and he you know he hits everything once a month but the the other three weeks he just you know does the edger upside down and walks across but yeah when he, you really see it when he hits it with that machine with the blade like all right there's the lawn and it, it looks really it looks sharp and you know his his thing is make sure you water it you know don't be cheap keep the water yeah. on yeah no keep the water on there's no doubt about that right yeah, no, those sharp edges are great. I love that day. I, I don't um, mow my lawn anymore. I used to religiously, but now I'm on the road too much, and I got, you know, over an acre worth of grass, and it's just some guy does it. And, I, man, he does it Thursdays. He does a nice job, and I love, love coming home Thursday night, just walking out there and be like, oh, man, that looks so good. Love yeah. my lawn. Yeah, love it, my lawn. It, it, it definitely it makes the house pop. Now, 
with the loving of the lawn, and I know we mentioned house paint before, you can, you can hide a lot of blemishes. I'm famous, and my wife will tell you, give, give this guy a, 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 a tube of cork, and I can make miracles happen with a tube of cork. <laughs> cork hides a multitude of sins, and it was about three years ago, I was making a gingerbread house with my son for Christmas, and I made the, uh, the icing too loose, so the roof kept sliding off. And my wife sees, she goes, no, really? I said, well, just tell everyone they can't eat the gingerbread house. I used the, I used the white cork for the gingerbread house, and it works. Come on, really? She's like, this is just amazing. I glued it all together with the cork, and then, uh, cause I had regular white cork that didn't turn, um, translucent, stayed white. And then I just piped it on the roof as, 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 as snow and this and that, and I glued it all together, put the jelly beans on it. Now my son, at that point, was maybe seven. I had to remind him, do not pick the jelly beans off the thing. This is cork. Exactly. She's like, you're, you're just amazing. You and your cork. I have, I have more. I probably have more tubes of cork in my house than Home Depot does at this moment. God bless you, man. All yeah. right. I'm going to do a lot um, with the home. But so with that, what what is one of the favorite colors of yours? That if you had a choice, what do you go with? Uh, it's a little embarrassing, but it's beige. Okay. Neutral. I know. It's crazy. I hate the paint. I don't care so much. I'm colorblind on some level. They call me colorblind. You take that test where you look at the little dots in the book. Right. And uh, I fail the thing every time. The guy's like, you, you don't see any color. That's it's complete garbage because I do. I, I see red lights and green lights and all that. But I will admit that I'm color challenged. They've diagnosed me as colorblind. I, I'm going to call it color challenged. Okay. So <laughs> I don't get any votes when it comes to color around the house. That's my wife's job. Um, and, you know, every once in a while, I mean, not every once in a while, a lot of times I'll walk into houses that we're working on and designers will have killed it with the color. And I'm like, oh, my God, that looks great. Big, bright, bold colors, lots of saturation. I never have the confidence to pull it off in my own house. I don't have the confidence to pick it or recommend it, recommend it for people. And I just, by nature, just gravitate towards beige. And I like it just as a background. And then artwork and stuff pops on top of it. So it's a boring answer. Uh, but I play it safe. And it's funny because whenever we, you know, we've painted the, the rooms in the house a couple times. We've been here for long enough that that's happened. And my wife will bring the cards home, and she'll show me the color cards. And she's like, "What do you like for this room?" I'm thinking something in this, you know. And I, and I'm like, "This one right here is nice." And she just rolls her eyes because she's like, "You know, that's what we have in the living room and the kitchen." <laughs> that's why you said it was nice because we already have it. I know. I was like, "Well, why are we going to stick with the winner?" And she's like, "No, we're going to change up the color by room." I was like, "Why? Like, why? We got, I, we, I like this color. You like this color? Let's paint the whole gosh darn house that color. Fine with me." So I'm not the guy to talk about color. I play safe. I do like beige. I just it's soothing. It's neutral. Um, I joke that I'm like, just make it look like a hotel room. Just yeah. whatever they figured out in those hotel rooms that's kind of neutral color that you don't pay attention to. You look at everything else. That's fine with me. <laughs> that's why that's why I don't get the vote on color when it comes to my house. Okay. All right. And and your wife sounds like mine. They ask you your opinion, and they already know what they want. So whatever you say, as long as it, if it doesn't agree with them, like no. No, no. I'm like, then why'd you, yep. why'd you show me this then? If you want the red, just, you know, I, 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 I subscribe to a happy wife, a happy life. Whatever color makes you happy makes me happy. We could do whatever you'd like to do. <laughs> so do you have any hidden talents besides, uh, 
you know, being a, a woodworker, uh, a television host, um, an author. Do you have any other hidden talents? Um, I don't know if it's a talent, but it's a it's a little bit of a passion or a hobby. Uh, these days, it's photography. Okay. And I stumbled into it. I don't want to throw any false modesty out there and say I stink at it. I think I've gotten pretty decent at it. But I I picked up a camera when my son was born 13 years ago, just because that's what happens when you have a baby. Exactly. Um, and uh, it was fortunate that it was right when digital cameras were a reality. Uh, you know, they were around for a long time, but they weren't really affordable in reality. They were when I grabbed one. So I grabbed a digital camera. Um, and I obviously took a lot of pictures of my kids, but then I was like, holy mackerel, I'm on this old house. Like, I get to go to these factories where they make concrete foundation and walls and, uh, we're, you know, building these houses, tearing them apart, putting them back together again, and all that kind of stuff. So I just started dragging around with me everywhere I went and started taking pictures and, you know, sort of by necessity, uh, I had to get better at it because when people see you on the job site with a camera, and you work for the company that has a magazine and a website and a television show and PR people and all that kind of stuff. They're like, hey, by any chance, did you take a picture when you were, when we were doing such and such? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I did. They kind of suck. Uh, you know, just snap the pictures. And so, you know, people started asking me for stuff and I was happy to give it to them. But when you start passing it out, you're like, oh man, I better start paying attention to this. So I did. And in the process of paying attention and learning it, I actually started to enjoy it. And it's like anything, right? When you get a hobby, whatever it is, you know, a sport, golf, uh, woodworking, like as soon as you, you start digging in, you kind of want to get better. You start figuring out how to turn the lathe project a little better, how to make the, the woodworking project a little better, how to figure out the gardening project a little better. And so that's how I approached photography. And now I spend way too much time doing it, um, but I like to do it. So I guess that's my that's my passion. my hidden not so hidden talent is just eating. I enjoy it. I know, I know how to order the right sandwich. I I know the, the the right things to say to the person behind the counter so I get the the best sandwich that they can possibly make me. And a little flattery goes a long way. You know, I, I've I've walked yeah. out walked out of delis where my friends are like, how come your bag is about to break through and ours is I can barely tell there's a sandwich in this bag. I said, well, did you say good morning to the guy? Did you go to the girl? Did you say hello? Thank you. No. So that's why you got the two slice sandwich. That's why your sandwich is on, on. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm ordering with you, pal. Man, that's awesome. I love it. I love a good sandwich and I love it when the meat's piled high and thick. And I do know what you're talking about. They're not all made equally, right? The guy working the slicer is, uh, you know, he is or he isn't throwing a couple extra slices on there for you. So that's good. I'll, uh, I'll snap a couple pictures for you. You ordered me a couple sandwiches. We'll trade. So now I'm going to give you a bit of advice because you've given us tons of advice. When you go into a deli or something of that nature, always wait for the clerk who's who's on the larger side because when they're making a sandwich for you in their head, because I used to work in delis growing up, you kind of make the sandwich for yourself because I can't serve this to this guy. You know, my boss would say on a roll, it's, you know, about a quarter of a pound of meat. A quarter of a pound of meat. I eat that just warming up to make the sandwich. So you always look for the, the larger person behind the counter. They're going to make you a sandwich similar to what they would be proud to sit down and eat themselves. Won't be what they would make themselves because they would get fired, but they're definitely making you a better sandwich than the, the smaller, slight person uh, behind the counter who's, who normally puts two slices of meat, one slice of cheese, 
and uh, that's their sandwich. So that, that's my advice. Always look for the uh, bigger person. That makes Joe. That makes this entire exercise worthwhile because See? I can't believe I didn't think of that. I, I had a I had a different rule, but that one I'm. Uh, I mean, I I'm passionate about my sandwiches and delis. I love them. You know. When my buddies and I used to joke, "What's your prison meal? What's your what's your death row meal?" Like if you had one more meal, you know the pick, and and people think about it forever, and they come up with crazy stuff like lobster and stuff. I'm just like, oh yeah, it's a piece of cake, right? It's a ham and cheese club sandwich and a plate of chips or an Italian sub, right? So it's just loaded up sandwich. Um, so I love that tip right there, and I'll, I'll tell you, I don't, I won't go back to a place if they weigh the, the cold cuts. If I see a guy with a with a scale. Next to the slicer. slicer, I'm like this place. Not 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 for me. This place is not for me. If if it's a chain and they're just like never more than 3.6 ounces of this, and I was just like, nope, not doing it. Yeah, exactly. So I'm looking for that. I'm looking for that clerk now. No scales and the heavier set clerk. I'm in. That's it. And you'll 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 have yourself a happy sandwich. So. Now speaking of sandwiches and you know friends and camaraderie, you're with the guys all day. Any funny stories about, you know, maybe Roger or I mean, I'm sure. I mean, just watching the show, I, I can only imagine what goes on when the cameras are off. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of them. I, I get it a lot. I don't I don't have one sort of a whip out. Um, I just don't have one to sort of whip out and share with you. I will tell you that like any job site and like any group of guys are number one objective during the day is to bust chops on each other. Like that's that's what we're trying to figure out how to do. And when you do this long enough and you're trying to like make a scene where guys are spitting out lines and repeating stuff because they're changing camera angles, the thing that's getting us through the day is just trying to bust the other guy up and throw him off. Uh, not the guests. We treat them professionally. Right. We want to get through. But we're working with each other. Our goal is to sort of just knock the guy off uh, back on his heels. I think that's why the what is it segment that we did worked originally because that was an opportunity for us just to goof off. Um, Richard, you know, was always the best in those because he's funny. He's kind of playful like that. He would always – he's got physical humor that he likes, you know. Mm -hmm. So whenever it's 7 in the morning and some producer throws a box of – cat toys and obscure tools on the table and says, boys, make these things funny. Nobody eats until the, something funny comes out. And we'd struggle with them. Eventually, he'd just grab something, and he'd stick it on that big, you know, five head of his um, and just make it look ridiculous. And then he'd bust us up and loosen us up a little bit. So there isn't one, but that's what we're trying to do day in and day out, give each other grief. It's a job site thing. It's a guy thing, right? Uh, stick it to him. And, and I can see Richard doing that because anyone whose job – deals with dealing with poo all day and then, okay, we're going to have lunch now. You know, you're a better man than me because, uh, you know, on the occasion when my own home, when the, uh, when the Johnny gets clogged, uh, like, you know what, that's after dinner. I don't know what my son did in there, but you know what? We have another bathroom. <laughs> I'm eating dinner right now. <laughs> I'm not going in there. Close the door, space some Febreze. Let, you know, we'll worry about that later. So I, I give him props. So out of all those guys, who do you really have to watch out for? But, you know, any given day, like, oh, boy, here he comes. But you have to always keep, like, a half an eye on. Silva? Silva Silva's a troublemaker. Oh, yeah. He's looking, he's looking to get you. He likes to give you grief. 
He's definitely looking at me. He's just definitely. He's funny. He's a funny guy. I got a lot of pictures of Tommy and I laughing our faces off. Well, I saw him on Instagram. Go ahead. There, there were there were early stories on, and I won't I won't share too many of them. But there were back in the day they used to spend a lot of time on the job site um, putting pranks together and stuff like that, like dropping dummies off the roof while things were filming to see if you can get a reaction <laughs> out of somebody. That's cool. Um, they've uh, they've taken um, producers' cars. You know, job sites are muddy, right? And you got to park wherever you can park. They've taken producer cars and jacked them up and put them on a cinder block just enough so that the wheels weren't touching the ground, but they thought they were stuck in the mud, you know, so you watch a producer spin her wheels. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, so that's... That's that classic. Goes on. Yeah, there's a lot of... The other thing, too, that, that, that we do just for our own amusement is, you know, we're mics. Uh, with lavalier microphones that are mm-hmm. wireless that feed from us back to the camera. And there's a whole bunch of people who have got headphones on um, who are listening, right? There's a director, there's a producer, there's a, a productionist, you know, a couple people. So, you know, we're, we're constantly kind of on mic. And uh, that gives you the opportunity to crack some jokes, you know, as if you don't know you're on mic, you know, but you know everyone's listening. Right, right. Okay, that's good, Yeah. <laughs> You know, so you're like, all right, cut, you know, and you know everyone's still listening, so you can say stuff, uh, and it's in people's ears, and it can kind of get them going, but even more fun is that person with a headset might be talking to somebody who doesn't have a headset, um, <laughs> the person they're talking to, the guest architect or whatever, they don't know that this person can hear you, so now from 100 feet away, I can start saying stuff into that person's ear try to get them to crack up while they're having a serious conversation with some serious architect or whatever. So now we're just messing with people <laughs> from that's, afar. You know, when you're watching this for a production assistant or a producer or a director trying to, you know, have a serious conversation about something important with an architect and we're in their ear just busting up chops, you know, trying to get them to So that kind of stuff goes on, you know, all the time. That's almost cruel. It, it, well, if it's not cruel, it's not fun. That's true. We're trying to, nice. we're, we're trying to cut up, you know, each other's. that sounds great now like i said earlier on it's a great ensemble you can tell everyone enjoys everyone you can tell even the subs it's just you could you can tell it's not forced it's just a great show and i've been watching it my entire life you know since it first aired and i've learned a lot i continue to learn a lot i enjoy watching i get my son into watching it uh so he can learn a couple things especially when he's helping me when I say get me a, a tool or something, he doesn't wonder what I'm asking for. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on this morning. But before I let you go, how can my audience keep up with everything that you're doing as well as this old house, ask this old house? And you still own one of those old-fashioned devices called a TV. Uh, you can watch it on <laughs> TV. Yes, you know, that's still the primary job of what we're doing. Uh, but, of course, we've got the website, thisoldhouse.com, where you can watch it there, and you can see all the magazine stuff and uh, a whole bunch of stuff. So that's all the typical stuff. I'm pretty active in social media, believe it or not. I have to embrace that, you know. So I've got a Facebook page. I've got an Instagram page. I've got a Twitter handle. And all of those are at Kevin O'Connor, T-O-H. I post stuff behind the scenes, things that we're doing. You and I were talking earlier about me working in the yard with my son, making him pour concrete because he busted up a hammock pole. That kind of stuff ends up on there. So there's a, there's a variety of different touch points. We're there. We're on TV. We're on the web. We're on social media. 
Well, you, you know, you guys are the originators and the innovators of self-help TV and DIY because without that show, some 40 years ago, 1979, on uh, Boston's original PBS, where you guys originally came out of, you wouldn't have all these other shows that have uh, copied your motto, obviously, you know, with a little tweaking. Um, still one of the best shows out there for the average homeowner because yeah, you guys make it simple for the average homeowner. There's no uh, nothing crazy, and you, you bring a lot of great ideas. I know I've gotten a lot of great ideas through, through uh, watching the show. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure having you on the Big Fat Joey Show. I hope we can speak again soon. Joe, I appreciate it. The, the pleasure was mine. I'll never look at a deli the same way again. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being on. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Sin, what a great interview. So good. I want him to come over to the house. I'm so ready. So, you know, I, I didn't get to uh, obviously open up any of my Father's Day gifts yet today. but uh, You know I, there's a case of cork. Well, well I kind of figured <laughs> that. Cork is my best friend. So, uh, you know, Sin's already heard this interview in, uh, in post-production. So hopefully she got some hints from it. And uh, I'll, I'll see one or two of the items that we talked about in the interview. Uh, you know, under the uh, old proverbial tree when we get back home. But it was great having Kevin on. And, uh, you know, it, it's a venerable show. It, it's on uh, PBS television, uh, Channel 21 here in New York, you know, most of the time. You know, with, this, with, with cable, you have a million and one channels nowadays, so you can find it on a lot of other uh, channels as well. But it, it's it's going strong. It's in its, uh, wow, 41st season now. So it's, uh, you know, I, I'm going to say it's, it has to be the originator of reality television. So cool. So cool. Well, I know I definitely have some other projects around the house. There is definitely a very uh, large honeydew list. Always. And, uh, you know, luckily some of it involves cork, which I, I always I always enjoyed doing my corking. So that's good. But I got a couple of painting jobs to do around the house, a little little landscape stuff. Nothing, nothing too crazy. But the, the one good thing is nowadays with, uh, you know, tools being relatively affordable, you know, uh, yeah, my personal advice to people who are listening if you're going to do a project and you need a tool instead of borrowing it from your friend go out and buy your own especially nowadays it's not too expensive table saws are inexpensive for for what for what i'm doing and for what most people are doing you don't need one of these you know uh massive table saws that have all the bells and whistles you just basically need something with a with a flat top and a uh, you know and, and, uh, and a saw cutting through so you know you get your own saws you get your own tool set metric um, SAE for, you know, for American sockets, you get your own, uh, chop saw or what have you, jigsaw, things like that. It doesn't cost you much, you know, maybe you'd be hard pressed if you spent a thousand dollars. And with that, you'd have yourself a nice little, little setup. That's my own two cents on that because, uh, it's a lot easier than running to your buddy's house, trying to borrow something. And then, yeah, you break it or you don't get done in time and they need it. It's just a pain in the butt. So that would be my advice to uh, everyone. What do you think, son? Yep. Sounds good. Yep. Sound, did I wake you up there? <laughs> I, it's much easier to call somebody because you know it always gets done quickly. Might get done quickly, but it's not going to get done any cheaper than if I actually do it. That's true. That's true. Because, so what are we going to go do now? Uh, falls there. I guess we're uh, going to go home. You know, we're uh, laying low, still uh, not you know, partaking any outside food, I guess. Uh, you know, have some breakfast and... Uh, all the day, got some things around the house to do, you know. Uh, got the hot tub up and running, and uh, you know, try to enjoy uh, this uh, summertime that's coming up on us. Yep, sounds good. 
Well, all right, everyone. Well, as we know, that time again, tick tock, tick tock. This is Big Fat Joey, biggest thing on radio here with Sin, reminding everyone to make, make every, every sandwich, sandwich count. count. Peace. Peace.